Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, September 6th, 2016, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. Well, Mercury is retrograde until September 22nd, and you can learn more about that on our site or do an Internet search because it's uh, an important thing to be aware of. It is such a pleasure to welcome Gwilda Wiaka back to our show. She's the author of The Science of Magic, Book of Mysteries, Volume 1 and 2, and the award-winning, So We're Still Here, Now What? (laughs) Spiritual Evolution and Personal Empowerment in a New Era. Gwilda is considered by many to be today's foremost expert on the modern-day application of ancient shamanic principles. She's studied shamanism for over 40 years, has been a practitioner for 30 years, and a teacher of the shamanic arts since 1996. She's the founder and director of the Path Home Shamanic Arts School, a Colorado State-certified occupational school of the shamanic arts. Gwilda is also a preceptor for the University of Colorado School of Medicine, where she provides instruction to medical doctors on the modern interface between shamanism and allopathic medicine for the university's School of Medicine's Complementary and Alternative Medicine course. You can check out her websites, which are gwildawiaka.com, and Gwilda is spelled G-W-I-L-D-A, Wiaka is W-I-Y-A-K-A dot com and findyourpathhome.com. At the top of the show, it's the Starseed News with Anastasia bringing topics of interest to Starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. We'd like to thank Fiona for hosting the switchboard this evening for any listeners that may have a question or comment for Gwilda. If you'd like to chat with like-minded people, we have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other starseeds, thanks to Tammy's dedication and help with our forum. You can download any show in our archives on iTunes or right from our Blog Talk Radio episode page using the cloud with an arrow on it. We'd appreciate your support of our show, and you can do that by following, uh, clicking follow on our page here at Blog Talk, and you'll get our weekly show notices. The toll-free number for StarseedHotline.com is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings in your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. For those who need healing of any kind for yourself or your pets, Tammy's powerful remote sessions will help. And if you have a birthday coming up, you don't want to miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And please remember, if you want an interpretation of that chart, you need to order it about two or three months ahead of time to make sure you get it in before your 10 hours happens, because we do have a waiting list. So first this evening, I would like to introduce Anastasia with her wonderful Starseed News. Let me get your mic open here, sweetie. Okay, you're on. 
Hi, good evening, Ariel. Good evening, Darcy listeners. <laughs> well, I'm broadcasting from the allergy capital of the Northern Hemisphere tonight, so I'll try not to sneeze or anything like that during this newscast, but if I do, bear with me. Well, now, so far, every day this month has had a geomagnetic storm. Today might be the first day without one, however, because Earth is exiting a broad stream of solar wind flowing from a coronal hole on the sun, which is prompting NOAA forecasters to lower the odds of solar storms today to only 20%. And on the Space News, we have something out of Science Daily. There's been a discovery of highly unusual unusual planetary system that finds twin stars hosting three giant exoplanets. A team of Carnegie scientists has discovered three giant planets in a binary star system composed of stellar twins that are also effectively called siblings of our sun. Siblings of our sun, get that. One star hosts two planets and the other hosts the third planet. The findings, they say, will help explain the influence that giant planets like Jupiter have over a solar system's architecture. And this study has been accepted for publication in the Astronomical Journal. Now, new discoveries coming from the study of exoplanetary systems will show us where on the continuum our own solar system falls, whether we're ordinary or unique. So there you go. More suns and more Earth-like planets. And NASA's Juno probe reveals that Jupiter's North Pole is nothing like we've ever imagined. Yep, NASA has released striking close-up images of Jupiter's North Pole and its southern lights, all captured by the Juno spacecraft, which is now in orbit around our gas giant. Now, the images show a different side of the planet that looks like nothing that scientists have ever imagined before, let alone seen. It's bluer in color up there than other parts of the planet, and there are lots of storms. There is no sign of the latitudinal bands that we are accustomed to associating with Jupiter. And the image, they say, from this uh, perspective of this uh, photography, uh, isn't even recognizable as Jupiter. They say that we're seeing signs that the clouds actually have shadows, which which is indicating that the clouds are at a higher altitude than other features. And, of course, like a thrilling movie cliffhanger, we have to now wait to learn how this story unfolds. And I will bring it to you on the news when we find out anything more. Cool. Well, yeah, that's really cool. Bluish, huh? We don't see any pictures of any blue in the pictures of Jupiter that we've seen before. But this is close up and personal, so it's going to be exciting. Well, for the first time, scientists have observed a deviation from the typical alternating pattern of easterly and westerly winds in the equatorial stratosphere. Well, let me put it to you this way. They've discovered a deviation in in stratospheric wind patterns. This is concerning. A new study is reporting that there is an anomalous interruption in an otherwise reliable stratospheric wind pattern. Now, since 1953, scientists have observed equatorial winds by instruments that are carried skyward using weather balloons. And the normal wind pattern was discovered in the early 1960s, but it has been uninterrupted until now. Nobody seems to offer reasons why. So instead of going from east to west, yes, they're sometimes going west to east and doing other things as well. 
Wow. Which, of course, affects our weather. Well, the Geophysical Institute of Ecuador announced that there was a uh, shallow 4.6 magnitude that hits that uh, struck Quito, Ecuador. Uh, they say that it happened uh, uh, recently. I don't know how many days ago. What's the date of this? Just a couple of days ago. They say that it scared the people. It was only it was only 4.6, and uh, they say that it was an aftershock from that 7.8 that occurred in April. But people are so spooked. They ran out of buildings and into the streets because they're really nervous about major earthquakes. Nothing, I guess there was no damage from that, however. But in the southern Philippines, we did have a 5.9 magnitude earthquake. Uh, It was according to the USGS, no damage there. And a 5.6 magnitude quake, the strongest in state history, rattled Oklahoma on Saturday. Now, they said that initially this was reported as matching the strongest quake in Oklahoma's history. It was felt across Oklahoma early Saturday. They said it rattled windows and awoke residents. It was a 5.6 quake centered northeast of Pawnee early in the morning, about 7 o'clock. Now, initial indications on social media were that the quake could be felt across the state from central Oklahoma to northeast Oklahoma. And uh, reports of feeling the quake also came from Texas and Kansas. Now, hundreds of earthquakes have shaken Oklahoma annually in recent years. We've talked about that on this newscast. But rarely have they been felt in northeast Oklahoma. The quakes have normally been well below 4.0 in magnitude, this one being a 5.6. And off northern California, my old stomping grounds, A moderate earthquake with a magnitude of 5.7 struck the Pacific Ocean off of northern California, shaking Eureka, Fortuna, and Arcata. No tsunami warnings were issued. It struck about 1.3 miles below the ocean floor, making it a very shallow earthquake, according to the USGS. Residents reported feeling shaking, uh, but there was no immediate word on damage or injuries, and there was no threat of a tsunami. We've talked about the Cinnabung Volcano often on this program. You're all probably familiar with that by now. Well, the Cinnabung Volcano, which is in Indonesia, by the way, erupted and its dome collapsed a couple of days ago, September 2nd. Uh, Actually, it's four days ago now. The volcano threw a column of ash and gas to a height of 2,000 meters above the crater. So it has collapsed in on itself. And uh, when it comes to wrong birds being in the wrong place at the wrong time, we have another one. A tropical seabird was rescued on a beach in the U.K. This is a rare bird that's normally found in the tropical regions of the Pacific and Indian Oceans, and it was found in the British Isles over the weekend. Uh, They say that the bird turned out to be a red-footed booby. They say it's the first time it's ever been seen in the United Kingdom. Do you know that there are only 350,000 African elephants left in the savanna? That's right. Just 350,000 remain in the wild, recently revealed by the Great Elephant Census. It's a project that aimed to count all of the continent's elephants by air. Ninety scientists and 286 crew members took part in this ambitious study. It took two years to do it, and the final total was far less than they had hoped for or estimated. Thirty percent of the wild elephants died between 2007 and 2014. And in certain reserves in Tanzania and Mozambique, that number was down to 75 percent due to poaching. 
Oh, that's seven years. We're talking oh. that kind of decrease in the elephant population in seven years. And this is supposedly after governments are doing all that they can or all that they're capable of to stop poaching. You know, sometimes you just wonder. Things just don't seem to add up, do they? Mm-mm. Well, here is a story. Now, mind you, mind you, this comes from an unpublished research paper. And this is from a website whose bias is evident by its name, March Against Monsanto website. This website is reporting that a new serious contamination problem with our vaccines has been identified. It says that a yet unpublished research paper reveals that commonly used vaccines are contaminated with the herbicide glyphosate, which is an ingredient in Roundup. In other words, according to this article that cites this uh, this uh, research, this website that cites this research, our vaccines are contaminated with an herbicide that the World Health Organization characterized as probably carcinogenic to humans. Now, if that proves accurate, how can this be? How does an herbicide end up in vaccines? Well, interesting. Many vaccines contain animal byproducts, such as gelatin, bovine serum, bovine calf serum, or chicken egg protein. Now, the animals from which these products come from are fed grains sprayed with uh, glyphosate. So then, these animals that are fed this herbicide in their diet will apparently contain this herbicide in their byproducts. This researcher sent a letter to Congress that stated, and I quote, I have run numerous groups of vaccines and identified several vectors of contamination. These include the excipient gelatins, egg protein, or similar substrates used to grow vaccines. I have found gelatins and egg proteins contaminated with glycophosphate-based herbicides from animals fed a glyphosate-contaminated diet. This contamination carries into thousands of consumer products, i.e. vitamins, protein powders, protein powders, wine, beer, and other consumables which use gelatins as a part of the product or in, uh, in, proce- in their processing. So there you have it. Apparently, it's not just vaccines then. Apparently, other consumers consumables that use gelatins in their processing are also contaminated with glyphosates. So seems like the only solution, folks, is maybe an organic garden, but that doesn't cover everything. We need organic gardening, organic farming, whatever. But I just thought I'd pass that along. Remember, hasn't been published as yet, but that's what this website is reporting. Be interesting to see if they actually manage to publish it. After all, seems to be pretty controversial. Mm-hmm. Well, the world's highest and longest glass bridge closes indefinitely for two weeks after its grand opening in China. Did you hear that? A glass bridge? A glass bridge. Had had any of you heard of that before? Not me. No. I scour the news all the time. And I didn't know about this until just a couple of days ago. This comes from RT, by the way, and it says that this is a true architectural wonder the world's longest and highest glass-bottomed bridge, which provides visitors with magnificent views of China's mountains, has been closed indefinitely just two weeks after its opening. The record-breaking structure, which gives even the most robust adrenaline junkies the chills, (laughs) 
was closed on Friday, just 13 days after its opening in China's Grand Canyon, according to authorities. Now, Thursday, officials posted an announcement saying the bridge has been closed due to the urgency to improve and update the construction. The officials said no damage had done to the bridge, only that they wanted to update the construction. Maybe they that got sounds fishy. <laughs> it sounds fishy. <laughs> well, we could be thankful fishy. if we if we'd been on that bridge that we uh, lived through it, perhaps. Anyway, yeah. a glass bridge. Wow. All right. Well, there has been a mysterious illness affecting Kansas high school students that's now spreading to other district schools. You might have heard about this. I think it's been on national news. A mysterious outbreak that's plagued Manhattan High School in Kansas for two weeks has now expanded to the elementary and middle schools in the district. The district-wide plan to clean all schools and buses in the district is now underway. Now, state and local health officials have been unable to determine the cause of the sickness, which has set about, sent about 150 students home from school with stomach issues. So you think they'd be able to find out what's causing that in this day and age. Well, from the Environmental Working Group website, they are celebrating today. The Federal Food and Drug Administration announced that triclosan, which is a toxic chemical ingredient associated with hormone disruption in people, will no longer be allowed in antibacterial hand soaps. According to the Environmental Working Group's website, they say, this decision by the FDA is a huge victory on behalf of human health and environment. EWG, Environmental Working Group Research, found, found that the industry adding this sketchy endocrine-disrupting germ killer to all kinds of soaps and even to toothpaste. Nine years ago, we found it at disturbing levels in San Francisco Bay. Worse yet, our studies detected the stuff in breast milk and in the bodies of teenage girls. Clearly, this is an industry that needed a good swift kick in the trickle of sand. It took far too long, but they say the FDA delivered. And how old do we think maybe life, how, how many years has life been on this earth? Well, they're constantly pushing this theory back. And now they have discovered something brand new. Scientists probing a newly exposed, formerly snow-covered outcropping in Greenland claim that they have discovered the oldest fossils ever seen, the remnants of microbial mats that lived 3.7 billion years ago. Now they say this is a stunning announcement, and if it's confirmed, it would push the established fossil record more than 200 million years deeper into Earth's earliest history and suggest that life appeared very soon after the Earth formed. A team of Australian geologists announced their discovery, which has since been published in the journal Nature. Now, you know what? It says it's microbial mats. Mats, what's an M-A-T? Well, I figure, and I looked it up, it is a type of uh, plant, of course. So there you go, microbial mats. Hmm. Well, how many of you out there like to take naps? You know, the older you get, the more you tend to like to take naps. But considering the stress levels that people are experiencing today and in my work, I find that people more and more young, not just older people, not just mature people, people like to have their naps. They feel compelled to take naps. Well, if you're one of those people who may be looking for lifestyle changes to help lower your blood pressure, they say that one effective strategy may be just that plain old-fashioned siesta, a nap. 
because new research from Greece has found that systolic blood pressure, which as you probably know is the top number, uh, the systolic blood pressure in people who took midday naps uh, averaged 5% lower than that of people who didn't nap. A cardiologist lead, uh, led this study, and he said that although the blood pressure reduc- reductions seen in the study do not seem dramatic, he said that decreases as small as 2 millimeters of mercury in systolic blood pressure can reduce the risk of cardiovascular disease by up to 10%. So really, it is no small number. So if you're looking for a way to lower your blood pressure, get some relief from stress, and reset your biological and psychological and energetic systems, try having a nap. It's good for you. Well, out of Peru, we have an interesting story. Of course, this does come from the Daily Mirror, so for what it's worth. A paranormal investigator claims that he has captured footage of an alien humanoid with large glowing with a large glowing blue head levitating across the motorway. This UFO investigator has been researching UFO sightings for 25 years. His name is Anthony Choi. Choi, I think that's a Y, or Chav. I'm I'm sorry if I've made a mistake there. Anyway, this investigator says that he and his crew chased the being after it appeared outside of a petrol station in Peru on August 22nd, just a little over a week ago, maybe two weeks. According to this researcher and his witnesses, the creature was about half a meter tall. It had red eyes and a head the size of a pumpkin. It It emitted blue glowing lights from its dome-like skull. Wild. When it ran onto the motorway, the researcher claimed the being was hit by a speeding truck, but it disappeared at the point of contact and rematerialized in the road after the truck had passed. The researcher believes that the moment the uh, alien was hit proves that it must be capable of teleportation in order to avoid certain death. Now, blurry footage taken by the investigators does indeed appear to show a strange blue form walking towards the motorway before vanishing just as the truck hit it. Here you go. This is something far different. So much for intelligent life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, you have a point about that. I'm glad you... Leave it to you, Ariel, never to lose your sense of humor. That is rather funny. (laughs) But, you know, one of the things that we never hear anybody discuss in these kinds of articles is, you know, is it from a parallel universe? Is it indeed interdimensional? When we hear about things like um, uh, the chupacabra, other creatures that have appeared, lots of them, you know, we, we really have to wonder if these are other dimensional beings and not just something that hasn't been discovered before. And I'm sure all the Starseed listeners out there have already thought about that. But here, this is strange. You know, we're getting strange creatures from the bottom of the ocean. Uh, We're just having all kinds of uh, anomalies going on in our world. Reality is shifting at really an exponential rate. And then things like this come up. We're finding new things all the time. This one with a blue head that emits blue lights. Is this a manifestation of the viewer's consciousness? Is this a being from an alternate reality? Is this a being from another dimension? Wow, what times we live in. And speaking of that, I just have to share with you quickly in closing, came across an article today about quantum computing. You know, this is off the cuff. I'm not reading it that I had printed earlier. I'm just having a discussion with you. Um, We had talked about quantum computing earlier on our Starseed News segment. This was a video given at a conference 
uh, of a of a conference talk where the man that was uh, instrumental in developing this quantum computer he's from British Columbia by the way and he claims that there's he says that there's one in a quantum computer in uh, British Columbia as well as in Southern California but he is describing uh, the uh, the total transformation of our world uh, through the development of these computers. And one of their key features is going to be their ability to access parallel realities. Uh, that's right, parallel universes. Universes which are identical to our own, except for one of the quadrillion, kajillion, um, innum- innumerable amount of changes that occur with each choice made by each person, with each alteration in uh, sequential timelines, each uh, action of going left or right, stop or go, all of the infinite variables that occur in a life that create uh, substantially or even even, uh, minute different outcomes in reality, that each possibility that could have happened that didn't happen actually is contained in a parallel reality. Well, now talk about infinity. Wow. And that's just one aspect of it. But this scientist is claiming that this is very soon to happen and that these computers are based on not the typical computing of our present-day computers, which is uh, ones or zeros, the either-or proposition, which is contained in our material understanding of physics. Either-or, something is this or that. It's right or left. It's up or down. We live upon a timeline of continuum going from past to future. This is all based on the either-or premise, the linear uh, basis of our physics or our consciousness, our understanding of the mechanical universe. No, it's not like that. Quantum computers are based on the quantum ideas and understanding that there is no such thing as either or, unless, of course, we choose to force it. But everything is a continuous series of ands. This is the universe where paradoxes are not only possible, they're impossible to get away from. So that something can be both hot and cold, black and white, right and left, past and future. It's a simultaneous world, universe, existence, where all things exist simultaneously, which is so delicious and yet so scary because mm-hmm. in the hands of human beings with agendas, mm, mm, mm. talk about Pandora's box. So anyway, yeah. you know, this is where we are. You and I and all of our Sartes listeners are living in a time where there are quantum changes going on about all around us. So, Anyway, I'm going to leave it there (laughs) and uh, wish you all a very beautiful week. Staying close to spirit. Tonight's show is going to be wonderful. Shamanism is a beautiful way of life, a way of approaching greater reality safely, connecting with the earth and with one another and with all that is. And at this point in our history, we can't do that fast enough or soon enough, in my humble opinion. Blessings to you, listeners, from my heart to you, yours. Have a wonderful week. Thank you, Ariel. Oh, thank you so much, Anastasia. I can't tell you how many times that you've given information in a, in a radio show that continues to um, help me and influence my decisions. Um, so, yes, awareness is a very good thing. So thank you for bringing us the Starseed News. 
Okay, so um, our guest is here, Gwilda, and also Lavendar. I'm going to get your microphones open here, so just give me a second. Okay. Hello, Gwilda. Welcome back. Well, hello, and thank you, Ariel. It's a pleasure to have you with us tonight. And Lavendar, your uh, mic's open, and you're on. Okay. Well, girl, I love this book. It it came this morning, and I've been able to read three chapters. And I I didn't even want to do my sessions this afternoon for a while because I wanted to read your book. Oh, thank so welcome, you. my my friend. And let's start by by uh, you explaining a little bit about your radio show and being an author and a, a shamanistic pra- practitioner and teacher. And what is the main focus of your work? Okay. Well, actually, the the main focus of my work for years, and I've been at this for over 40 years, the main focus really has been and continues to grow in the area of helping people to evolve um, with the new times that are coming up, with the new frequencies and, you know, the quantum universe, if you will. And shamanism is an ancient practice, but I've seen evidence where at one point it was a galactic practice the last time we were in the Age of Light. And so I'm really drawing on a lot of those uh, principles from it being not just Earth-based but star-based as well in order to help people transition into this new age. So that's really the, the thrust of me and my work. Um, the radio show is called The Science of Magic, and um, it's that. I think that until magic and science come together, that there's a bridge between the two, that we're not really going to know truth. Um, you know, they each have their own renditions, but it's in the unity of the two that we can find that continuum between facts and um, beliefs to find truth. And so that's what the radio show is about. I bring people on um, from all walks of, of life that deal with, you know, I have scientists and mystics and shaman and, and uh, doctors and, you know, just bridging the, the two forms. And it's amazing how they are bridging at this time. So it's a lot of fun. The book itself was written, I do a teaching at the beginning of every show uh, that bridges the information being brought by my guest with whatever they are bringing. If they're a scientist, I handle the magic. If they're a magician, I handle the scientific aspect. And I started having people asking me so often that they, they really want a transcription of what I'd put before their, their show that um, I put it into book form. And that's what the Science of Magic Book of Mysteries, Volume 1 is. It's the uh, teachings that go before each of the episodes. And they're very timely because that's why people are writing right now. They're bringing timely information through. So it's kind of leading edge. It's really fun. So, yes, I, I really love the way that you presented this material based on uh, your guest on your radio show. It gave me a really um, great idea for some of the things that we might do in the future. So uh, what do you, why do you think that, that we have an opportunity now to evolve spiritually more than any other time in history? Well, certainly more than any other time in our recorded history. I think that we cycle through these high-frequency times um, about every 12,000 years. So the highest frequency era, and you know this better than I do, would be in the ages of Leo and Aquarius, with the lower frequency being in Scorpio and Taurus. There's nothing wrong with low frequency or good, greater, better about high frequency. It's just what we're experiencing at any given time. But what happens when we enter into this higher frequency portion of the universe is basically our sun's passing through a place where there's more uh, luminosity or brightness, and it's exciting the uh, um, plasma on the leading edge of the heliosphere of the sun, which 
then filters into the sun itself, but then it comes out of the sun's electromagnetic field into interplanetary space. So basically, where we are in the galaxy, and that's what's measured by our horoscope and by the Mayan calendar and everything else, is providing actually more light than what we've been in for 12,000 years. And that activates our chakric systems and our DNA systems in a very different way. Furthermore, higher frequency moves faster. So it's like going from a flip book, you know, where you just see these, you know, still photographed to a flip book to a moving picture. All of a sudden, all those gaps in between are filled and truth starts to shine because you can make a story out of a, a still photograph. You can make 16 different stories out of it. But if you see the whole continuum of movement from one still to the next still, it can only tell, you know, a, a truth. It can only tell truth of what's going on there. And that's what we're getting into now. We're entering into a time of an era of unity. And within unity, the truth can't hide. So it's really exciting. The problem being that we have to evolve also. So physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, we're calibrated for a lower frequency time. And this higher frequency is putting a lot of pressure on us on all four ev- levels. So we really have to kind of participate. Yeah. You know, I was reading uh, about someone that had a, a, a near-death experience and came back. And when he came back, he was talking about the the bandwidth of frequency, that he wasn't able to have that kind of uh, consciousness before he died. And so I started thinking about bandwidth because now we, through the technology terms that we have, we understand about bandwidth of AM, FM radio, and different frequencies. But it had never really occurred to me that way because um, when I work with galactic frequencies, it's a whole different um, frequency band. It has nothing really to do with Earth. And when I d- and used to, when I had to deal with astrals, it was a lower frequency. And now I understand why it's very hard for me to even deal with astrals because I have gone to the band... Uh, bandwidth of of the galactic frequency. Do you, do you understand what I'm trying to say here? <laughs> yes, I do. And uh, a lot of my work is is channeled. <laughs> and one of the things that I'm having difficulty doing is it's like there's this polarity reversal that goes between bandwidths. So you, you reach out there whether you're, you're channeling through from the just the Akashic records or beyond. At this point, we're able to access beyond. But then the process of stepping it down through all those bandwidths man, translation becomes difficult. And I'll come back with a phrase, and you can write a whole book about it, you know. But I'm finding that starting to merge. Are you starting to see that as well? Well, the merging is what we're trying. I think we're trying to, what I say to some of my um, uh, people is, you know, we're, we're stepping from spiritual 101 to galactic 404, and we need the bridge to get there. Exactly, and no one of us has it. It's going to take all of us bringing our peace to build that bridge, I believe. Absolutely. So many different pieces. I mean, it's like when I was thinking about the bandwidth, it's like, okay, there's a bandwidth for fairies. There's a bandwidth for elementals. I mean, all the diff- all for rocks, for trees. I, you know, I was just really kind of going nuts looking at the bandwidth of, of the different <laughs> frequencies that you have to adjust in your in yourself in order to communicate with those beings. The other day I was driving down the road and I, I started thinking about the trees. And I started saying hello to every tree that I passed. And I thought to myself, I wonder if they can really hear me. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's like those are the kind of things that are coming up for me now is that I'm realizing the the frequency of different objects, of different beings, of different things, and how so many have so many different frequencies that are 
off a little bit or on a little bit, and then you're bouncing back and forth trying to keep your balance in a third-dimensional world, and here we're tracking all these different bandwidths. <laughs> it, it, it's a shamanic skill for sure, but one that we all have. It's just becoming conscious of it. And the beauty in being able to um, heal and find balance within ourselves expands our capacity to uh, access these other bandwidths and commune with all that is. Yeah. So do you think that everybody's going to evolve, or do you think just some will? What's your idea about that? You know, I think the jury is still out on that. We're all uh, in the pressure cooker here. Um, and, you know, there's kind of two choices I see, which, and I'm sure there'll be a third one, but, but either you stick your head in the sand um, and, you know, hold firmly to your old belief systems and your old frequency. But the problem is this uh, – Frequency change is being supported by the entire universe. I mean, by the entire uh, solar system and, and where it is in the universe. It's bigger than we are. So we can only do the head in the sand so long before, before we're going to get our backside blown off because it's, it's, it's really getting intense, and we start to destabilize. And if you look around us, we're seeing a lot of destabilization going on in people and structures that are trying to hold to the old way. The people that choose to evolve, that's the other choice we have, well, that can be pretty doggone uncomfortable, too, because we have to face the pain. It's just like dying in that. When we came under the earth, we came in pretty high frequency. And then these bumps and the bruises of being human, each time we take a hit, basically, we disconnect. We call that soul loss, shamanically, but we disconnect from a part of our frequency until eventually we become so low frequency we can no longer maintain physical health and we start to go through the dying process. Well, you've heard of people's lives passing before their eyes, right, when they die. Well, that's happening to us now in in a lot of regards because what's happening is as we move back up through the bandwidths of frequency that are now being offered, we kind of get to revisit the trauma that dropped us down below that just as if we were dying and our life was passing before our eyes. So it's, it's not for the faint of heart, but consider the alternatives. Yeah, right. (laughs) Wow. So you often speak of reclaiming your birthright. What do you mean by that? Well, before we came in, um, we had a high frequency, and we were unified. Um, We came out of unity to incarnate. And I really believe that our birthright is to be um, unified in the physical body. I think that we were designed to carry that, but we have been in a dark frequency time, and those muscles have gotten tired and forgotten, and our DNA is shut down. I think that it will amaze us the capacity we have on the other side of this transition, those of us that choose to evolve with the times. I, I think the, the, the rainbow and crystal children coming in are just a slight example, but our uh, ability to uh, have the sixth sense, to do telekinesis, to do, I mean, all of those things, that's going to be commonplace because that is our birthright at the higher frequency. You know, one of the things that's been happening for the last few months really heavy is I'm getting a lot of clients that were born after 1980, and that goes along with what what I was told many, many years ago that I had to write these high strangeness stories, put them in a bank vault, hold them for 25 years, because then I could release them to the to the people that were born after 1980. They would be in adult form and probably starting to, to have children. So what I'm finding now is all these people are showing up that were born after 1980. Are you finding some of the younger people finding you? I really am. 
Um, and it's like they're coming in with the lights on. It's really fun. And what I see operating there, and I say, excuse me, what I see operating there, Lavender, is that um, when we were in the lower frequency times, we had to separate from a lot of our bandwidth, if we're talking bandwidth, of frequency in order to become physically incarnate. Now, because the entire um, solar system is moving into a much higher frequency, we can come in with more of our original essence. And furthermore, those of us that came in and had to separate, if we engage in different practices, we can actually reconnect with part of what we never got to incarnate with. And I think that's a lot of what these younger people are doing. They came in with more than we did, but they're also getting, oh, now I can go pick up the other part, the other part of me that can operate here now. Um, and that seems like that's a bridge area, the ones born after 1980, uh, that we started seeing the, the um, uh, indigos after that point, I believe. And I started seeing that they had their male and female all in one body, and they didn't need anyone to complete them. They were complete already. That's what I'm seeing in, in most of these kids that were born after 1980. Yeah, so, so it's total, like, yeah, how do you tell these kids, hey, you're, you really don't need to get married and have kids if you don't want to because you're complete already. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm very hesitant to say that to anyone that way, but at times I think it. <laughs> you know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. But, you know, when you are complete with the masculine-feminine balance and you come together with someone else that's complete in the masculine-feminine balance, you then have the sacred marriage. And that can be a very powerful combination. And And I think that's what is really um, part of the ET experiment that I have been tracking is I think that's I think that's part of what they put in motion on the planet is finding the people that have their male and female all in one body, putting them together, and then you've got four factions functioning kind of like a double Gemini. Exactly, and that's a whole different ball of wax, isn't it? Yep, it really is. But very exciting. And this DNA that, that's happening, the activation, you know, I, I track it kind of back to, we, you know, we were looking at the Mayan calendar and mm-hmm. some of the things that people were saying about it just didn't happen. But the thing I noticed was the DNA activation of the star people. It was almost at- like overnight somebody just jerked the Band-Aid off of everybody's third eye and they just kind of jumped and people started moving and and, and um, you know, having divorces and having weddings and having kids. It was like just a mass um, a transfiguration of, of, of energies going in all directions because so many people were lit up. And exactly, yeah. Staying lit up, you know. They're so lit up. Yeah. It just, it's moving toward the galactic DNA faction of bringing human galactic into, into form. Exactly. And the, the Mayan calendar, you know, when, when I was looking at it before 122112, actually the, for the first book I wrote, So We're Still Here, Now What?, was um, authored before 122112. But it says it all. We're going to be here. It's like, and, and now they're finding that the Mayan calendar went on well beyond 122112. But what was being predicted was a change of frequency, a change of one, what, you know, frequency dictates reality. And as you change frequency, you change reality. And we're coming into a time now where our frequency is changing so drastically that our reality is starting to follow. And that was the end of one world and the beginning of another. And everybody translated it literally like we're going to blow up or who knows what. But no, we're living it. It is happening. This is what we're experiencing. And as the frequency rises as a result of where we are and our relative positioning in the universe, our old uh, 
dormant DNA, you know, how much of our, our DNA was dormant, they said it's junk DNA, how much of our brain is unused, all of that is starting to activate, and we're going to be a whole different species, I think, on the other side of this. I'd like to read a couple of paragraphs from your book. You say, we tend to think of DNA as a physical aspect that carries genetic markers, which to a degree it is. However, at the spiritual or quantum level, DNA serves as a river of light transcending time and space. Through much processing and willingness to evolve, it is possible for some of us to upgrade our DNA to carry more light as it becomes available. This upgrading enables us to remember who we are, why we came, and the soul teams we came to work with regardless of when we were born. We tend to think of soul teams, soulmates, spirit guides, and allies as predestined or permanent, yet that view is a bit limiting. For example, we may encounter a soulmate that we have made an agreement with to come together this lifetime, possibly for the purpose of passing on genetics or taking care of unfinished business. This union is for a season, not a lifetime. And after we accomplish what we agreed to do, we often find we are poisoning each other's lives to continue to stay together. Boy, that was really an awesome paragraph. I love that. (laughs) Would you continue on with what I just read? (laughs) Well, sure, I can talk about it. I don't have it in front of me. But basically, particularly during these times, like you pointed out, Lavender, um, because things are moving so much quicker, what used to last a lifetime, and Lord knows our lifetimes were short enough, cycles through much quicker. And so um, if we, we do come together in this lifetime, but maybe it would have taken four or five lifetimes to, coming back to the same soulmate, if you will, or soul team, to work out things or to learn things or to accomplish things. Now it's happening very rapidly. And it's, it's so easy to judge against, uh, oh, I'm supposed to be married for the rest of my life, or oh, you know, this person's supposed to be with me forever. And if we try to t- stay with each other beyond the shelf life of our, of our mission and our purpose, then we aren't doing our mission and our purpose and we start blaming the other person for it. So I think it's such an important time to stay light on our feet, let go of our old judgments, and just be open to what the universe is prompting us at any given time. Right. Why don't you give us a full definition of shamanism? I think our audience would like to hear you give the definition of, of shamanism. Okay. Now, I have got a state-certified uh, trade school of the occupational arts, I mean of the shamanic arts, and this is the definition that I use in my school. This isn't necessarily the definition that you're going to hear from an indigenous person or anything else, but I, again, I'm trying to bridge the scientific Western mind with the magical practice of shamanism. With that said, Shamanism is an organized set of rituals that's designed to help the practitioner focus their natural ability to manage matter at the quantum level. Now, that means we get into the quantum level with our awareness, but we have to translate that because the linear mind and the quantum level don't work together. Quantum level works like, you know, she was like... um, uh, Anastasia was describing the uh, quantum computer. It's all, everything's all there at once. And that's the way it works. Well, our mind can't translate that. So what happens is it's translated in the form of metaphor into our imagination. And that's why shamans speak of, oh, the spirits and the ghosts and the, you know, the evil spirits and the good spirits. And the, it's just a translation of what's going on at the quantum level. When you learn to manage that, you can not only get a feel of what's about to take form in your life, and find your sweet spot within it, you can also affect change at what you're just about to manifest to change it to something more to your liking. This is our birthright. This is our future. So you, in your school, you certify your school, you certify shamans. 
Um, so what does your school state certification mean for your students? Okay, when I don't certify shaman, what I do is I certify shamanic practitioners, and the certification says that they have gone through um, my, my course and, and passed it. Passed, okay? Um, the school itself, um, and the reason I, I certified the school is because in, or in this state, in Colorado is where I am, in order to teach anyone anything that they can use in an existing practice or as an occupation, you have to be certified by the state, uh, certified by the occupational division of the state schools. So it's illegal to teach this stuff to, as a practice um, if you don't. So I went, okay, this is going to be interesting, and it was. <laughs> but anyway, what the result is is my, my classes are all standardized. I have written, they're all on uh, file with the state. I'm bonded so that their tuition is covered. And we've had to go through this rigorous program and rigorous testing to be sure that we're qualified to teach the shamanic arts. So it's, it's a big deal. Um, and it was nothing I ever aspired to do, but I really felt strongly that this information, this shamanic skill, was really needed during these times, and I was hoping to create other practitioners to help spread it. And so I did it. It was, it was pretty interesting. How, how, how long is your class? Is it a two-year program, a year? How, how long does it take to go through your shamanistic classes? You know, it used to be a two-year program and um, over 800 hours. But then I found that people were having difficulty taking two years out of their lives to be local. And so what I've done now is I've changed it into six blocks of study that are about between five and seven days a block. So people can travel from all over the world and take a block, and then they go home and they have mentorship to help them with their homework and their assignments in email form with one of my graduates, my, I certify, one of my certified instructors. And then they can choose uh, when they're ready to take the next block. So people can move through it as far as they choose to and at the pace they choose to, whatever finances and time allows. And, and um, if they qualify, you know, go through all six, then they're a certified practitioner from the school. But if you go through any of them, you're changing your life. It's, it's an amazing program. So when are your next classes and how, peop how can the people find uh yeah, my next classes are actually the registration deadline is September 12th of this year, and they are in the middle of October. They're up here in the beautiful Rocky Mountains up in Coldale, Colorado, and that's the Santa de Cristo Range. It's a real pretty area, real remote. So are you close and, to Denver? Uh, about three and a half hours out of Denver. Mm -hmm. So okay. people can fly into Denver um, and then rent a car and drive here, or they can fly into Denver and then fly into Gunnison and drive for an hour to get here. There's various ways they can do it. Um, and the way they find the class is on the website, www.findyourpathhome.com. And, and can people find your books on the same uh, website? Yes, they can, uh, but also they're wherever books are sold. You can find uh, So We're Still Here, Now What, Spiritual Evolution, Personal Empowerment. Um, in, you know, it's, in, it's in all the bookstores, and if it's not, you can order them. And my latest book, The Science of Magic Books of Mysteries, is also, you can get it through Amazon, you can get it through Kindle, you can get it through Smashwords, you can get it through um, Barnes & Noble, um, and a lot of the, the nice little New Age stores carry them as well. I love this. I love this book. Like I said, it's like I've only got to read three three chapters, but I can't wait to get back to it. Uh, I noticed that um, you mentioned some New Age practices that are anchored in shamanism. Um, give us some examples of that. 
Yeah, that's so fun. And just about all of our esoteric practices are a shamanic skill. So like medical intuitive. I'm a medical intuitive. I'm a preceptor for the University of Colorado School of Medicine, and I will do medical intuitive for them. It kind of makes their socks roll up and down. But basically what I teach them is about the interface between shamanism and allopathic medicine. So medical intuitive, um, a, a person that hasn't been shamanically trained but is gifted in medical intuitive, think that that's what they are. But actually what they're doing is using, um, you know, spontaneously using the journey skill, which is a shamanic skill, to journey into the physical body of their client in order to see what's going on. So that's an example. All of your clairs, clairaudience, clairvoyance, clairsentience, all of those are shamanic skills. Uh, mediumship is a shamanic skill. Helping the dead to cross or psychopumping is a shamanic skill. So all of these things that we're, we're playing with in little segments now, and I don't mean playing in a bad way. I mean, it's wonderful that they're all coming to the have ancient roots in shamanism. And so, of course, if you have a drumstick, everything looks like a drum. I really feel that everybody can benefit from learning the shamanic journey discipline so that they can come and go accurately and interpret accurately um, if they're naturally gifted in these ways. And it just really augments what they already are. So do you have, like, a medicine wheel, and do you do, you do uh, sweat lodges and those kind of things when people come there? Um, I have in the past. I do those in my wilderness programs. So it's not necessarily what I do with each of these blocks of study. Um, but I work with medicine wheel, altar, all of those um, concepts and teach them and teach people how to make them. Um, and I do have other classes that I teach specifically about uh, sweat lodge and different practices and how it's built and why it's built that way. Um, but as far as when they come to do the class, we don't necessarily do a sweat lodge except for the advanced courses, and that's getting in like the fifth block and the sixth block. Okay. So do you work with crystals and stones? Is that part of your teaching? Yes, there's um, a class I teach. It's called Integrative Techniques, and that's where you, when you when you do a shamanic healing, you're working at the spiritual level as a rule, and then it has to integrate through the physical, mental, emotion, and emotional for true and lasting change to happen. And I've found over the years that working with crystals and uh, essential oils and and stones and um, aromatherapy and essences um, really, really help the person integrate this through their physical body. So I teach a whole course on that. That's great. That's yeah. great. Well, I'm I'm so excited that you have this new book and that you're doing this work. How many people can sign up and come at a time? Is there a limited uh, amount? For the classes? Yeah, I have. I, I try to hold it about, uh, right about 40 um, because I want to give people really, really, really good one-on-one um, -on -one as much as I can and with myself and my and my my teachers so i don't like to get them too large i think people slip between the cracks if you do right yeah okay so do you have a message for our listeners in closing oh i do for one thing your program is wonderful keep listening to it <laughs> you bring such wonderful things but you know these times can be difficult and it's so important to realize that most of the suffering we're going through if we're going through it is historical it's stuff from our past, whether this lifetime or another. It's not the clear and present. And if we walk through the process, we can become in the moment, in peace, in power, and part of the solution rather than part of the problem. So hang in there. Yeah, that's great. Well, at this time, I want to pass you over to my co-host, Arielle. She has the switchboard. Would you be willing to talk to some people calling in? I would be delighted. Okay. 
So back to you, Arielle, and thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you, Lavender. Great. Oh, this is just fascinating. I, I love your your stream of consciousness, and you express yourself so well. And um, I really, really would uh, anybody that's sitting there thinking that maybe they wanted to uh, learn more about this. Um is the one. So uh, at this time, if you have any questions or comments, um, if you're already on the switchboard, then all you need to do is press 1 so we know you want to come on the air. And um, then if you are not on the switchboard and you're just listening on the computer, uh, then you'll need to dial 917-889-8292. And then once you're in, press 1. And uh, we've... Actually, we got a caller that's in the screening room right now, so as soon as they are out, um, we'll take the first caller. Um, but I just I think what you're doing is wonderful, and the idea of bridging spirit and science, uh, it's what we need in this world so much, because um, without, the, without the spiritual peace, science can wreak havoc. Um, it really can, yeah, without that balance. You know, you know, just because just because they they can, if they invent something, that does not necessarily mean that it's a good thing, uh, and it, we just get flooded and marketed to death with with all of this technology, and and it's really refreshing to hear someone that is trying to bridge that gap. And how long have you been uh, teaching medical doctors? Oh, let's see. I think I was invited to be their preceptor, and that's at the University, uh, Colorado University School of Medicine. I think I've been doing it about six years now. Well, that is just—it's just wonderful because that people that are becoming medical doctors—they um, don't get the whole picture in medical school because there's a whole other side um, that you bring that when you have those two pieces together, then you really have something. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. And, that, you know, that's the thing that, you know, science is trying to make life better. That's what they're doing to do. They're trying to understand life and they're trying to make it better. And that's what magic is doing as well. That's what shamanism is doing, except that we have two different pieces of the equation. And if within the absence of the uh, shamanic or more magical aspect, we can do a lot of damage with science because we aren't taking into consideration the input from the planet, the input from, from all of our relations, and through shamanism we can. So I built a, I built a house just recently. I sold everything I had and, and built a house off-grid. It's, I designed it, and it's passive solar, and I have also solar panels, um, and I'm totally off the electrical system altogether. Um, and I, I, I communed with the land every step of the way, that the land told me where to dig the well, the land told me where to put the house, and not one tree was destroyed, and I'm surrounded by pinion, not one tree was destroyed in the building of the home. Um, and it's, it's like, it sits, it's rock solid, the light hits it just right, the weather hits it just right. These are, these are things I had no way of knowing, except I could ask. And the more we do of that, the more we can live in a good way on the earth rather than threaten ourselves and the planet. Oh, that's wonderful. That's a goal of mine as well, to be off the grid. So um, we have our, our caller ready to go now. You're going to be talking to Chris, and let me get the mic open. Hey, Chris, how are you doing? So good to hear from you. <laughs> Ariel. yeah. 
is I have an interesting life. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> okay. How are you? Well, uh, How are you? Are you asking Hello? me? I'm I'm doing great. I'm doing Good. great. Um, yeah, I was you... asking you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, your I, your question have, for you, Gilda. Yeah, Gilda. I you know you did a reading or a, a journey for me a few years ago, which was quite successful. And I also want to tell you that I'm friends with your sister. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and uh, and she just. Um, you know, thinks you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. So, just in case you didn't know that, but um, I'm what I'm interested in right now is uh, uh, how the disease process works in that ascension, the path, the ascension. When you are faced, when a person is faced um, with a disease process, how does that work in in terms of what you've experienced in your practice? Okay. Uh, You're talking about a physical disease, yes? A what? You're talking about a physical disease, yes? Yes. 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 And, you know, you can't shovel poop with a feather. (laughs) That's what I always say. So by the time the frequency has gotten so low that it impacts the physical body, sometimes we have to treat on the physical level with coarser things than we would use for uh, uh, a more esoteric, like the spiritual level or even the emotional or mental level. So I am, like you know, I work with the University of uh, School of Medicine, Colorado School of Medicine, and there is a place for allopathic interference, absolutely. The key is using it as a starting place, not the end-all, know-all. So if you can support your physical body enough allopathically, then you can move into alternatives. So you can move up the the frequency scale from the allopathic into the herbal, into the essential, and and then you can start moving towards the more esoteric forms. But it's not going to do you any good to um, use the esoteric forms if you die before you get there, you know. So being intelligent about it and realizing that, all of these practices have value, but it's our responsibility to decide when to use what and where and how and for how long. Well, and I think um, another aspect uh, for me is uh, the timing of the disease process when you've been engaged in uh, spiritual practice for decades. So that's that's a, so when when something like that appears, what is that telling? What is that telling the person? Right. Well, it's it's different mm-hmm. for each person. But sometimes as spiritual seekers, we can disregard or not pay enough attention to the, you know, chop wood, carry water, physicality mm. piece. Mm. Also, as spiritual seekers, we are very sensitive. We, you know, I've got friends that, you know, they can eat anything and they're fine. I have to be absolutely non-GMO, no grain, organic, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. uh, just to operate at the frequency that I have to operate to do what I have to do. So Mm -hmm. I could look at, you could look at me as being very physically um, challenged or very physically fragile. I'm not. I just can't assimilate the lower frequency things and do the high frequency work. And I think that's mm-hmm. what nails a lot of our sensitives is that we're increasingly exposed. to oh, Ten years they've been feeding us GMOs and not telling us. You right. know, and I could go mm-hmm. on, you don't want me to go down that path. But we've been impacted. And so we really have to look at, oh, my goodness, we have to be really, really clean in what we're doing because everything around us is not. Frequency-wise, it's been compromised to the point of bringing us to the point of death, really. That's how the Food and right. Drug Administration gets gets around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have a, a, an ex, uh, like a 
uh, personal experience with feeling the um, <clears throat> the truth of uh, the uh, structure of uh, the medic. It's not really medicine. I mean, people that go into medicine are very usually very um, loving, caring people. It's the the overlords <clears throat> above that. You know what what they're doing. That Absolutely. is so harmful. Yeah. 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 And, and what happened is while the docs were out there trying to save lives, the insurance company took over the industry. And now we have 18 yes. year olds making decisions of whether we can go in the hospital or not. Right, right. And that's, you know, I used to be a therapist in a psych hospital. I did that for 20 years. And that's the reason I got out because we couldn't do therapy anymore. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Exactly. So. And I know a lot of the docs have indicated to me their frustration that they know what's needed, but they have to jump through all these hoops and these drugs aren't supported because they don't give the insurance companies a break and round and round they go. Right, um, so it's right. very frustrating. I really personally believe that our health care system is really declining as a result mm. of all the interference, but not because of the doctors. Right, exactly. I don't blame them at all. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hopeful that, I mean, it seems like um, we are just kind of at a precipice here all across the board, you know, um, with uh, some sort of revolutionary um, process, you know, to really change everything. I agree. Um, and, you know, Einstein the, said you can't solve a problem at the same frequency or the same mindset that created yes. it. And that's yes. what we're about to do is to evolve beyond that mindset. Yes, okay. All right, well, um, I really appreciate your insight and um, and I enjoy the opportunity to talk to you, Gwilda. Oh, and, Chris, uh, so nice to hear your voice again. Yes, okay. Thank you so much. Thank you, dear. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Thanks for calling, Chris. Yeah, it's nice to hear in your voice, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was a really good question because there are a lot of people who are on a spiritual path. They're very um, in tune and sensitive, and but living in a in a toxic world. Everything from you know electromagnetic radiation from the cell phones and cell towers to the GMO to the food additives to bad drugs, um, and it's it does affect. Um, a lot of star seeds who are um, like you, much more sensitive to those, you know, lower frequency um, substances or or um, energies. Right. Yeah, we just don't process them well. And if you, if the food you're eating is of a lower frequency than you are, it's costing you more energy to process it than you're getting out of it. And pretty soon it starts to drop your frequency. And I think that's why a lot of the sensitives are starting to get ill because our food has been so compromised. You know, that's that's a really uh, on the on the money <laughs> comment. Yeah. If if what you're eating, and it can, you can even go beyond that. If the environment as well, if you're living in an environment that's a lower energy than you are, it's it's going to be nearly impossible not to get sucked down. Exactly. I have to really prepare myself before I go into a city because I live up here in nature. I mean, I'm on 40 acres, so um, I forget how supported I am here. And even just going into a small town to do shopping, it's like, oh my goodness, I forgot to, I forgot to put up, put up a shield, Captain, put up a shield. <laughs> I just, just had this image of you running back to your house with your clothes shredded and, and scratched up and you know bruises. It's like ah. 
get me back yeah, tail, to my sanctuary. Yeah, tail firmly tucked between my legs, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I know a lot of people are relating to what you're saying, I mean, on, on various levels. Uh, I mean, for me, if I have to go into the city, I have to get ready. I have to prepare. I have to talk myself into a particular, um, you know, uh, mood or attitude and say, okay, you know, put all the shields up, deflectors at full intensity, <laughs> and go in, get your stuff done, and get out. You know? <laughs> and it's not like, that there's anything wrong with cities. It's just a different environment. You have to gird your loins to go into. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of stress in cities and traffic. Um, I, mean, I live outside of Atlanta, and if and, and we're, we're some of the worst traffic in the country, and people are just angry. And that anger frequency is is highly contagious. And then all yeah, the computers and um, and then everybody's got their cell phones on. Um, it really is like the the lion's den um, <laughs> going into. I mean, for me, uh, you know, I suppose if you live in a big city all the time, you get desensitized to that. But what else are you giving up to um, to have those calluses, so to speak? Right. The good yeah. news is, though, I think as we increase our frequency, we suddenly become like radio waves that move through those walls and are no longer affected. It's just this transitional time that's a little challenging. Yeah. Well, is there is there one of the, your um, shamanic practices that helps to um, to transmute? Um, if you get any of that on you, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, absolutely. That I start teaching that at the beginning levels because it's such an impactful thing going on in our worlds right now. So, how to manage energy? How to you know when people aren't responsible for what they do with their thought forms and their emotions and this and that? How do we manage that from our end without doing any harm to them, but without being impacted by it? And I teach a lot of things that really help with that. And are any of these things? Um in this, you know, self-protection, uh, transmutation, um, is that in any of your books? Uh, yeah, I think in the one that they would need to get for that would be it's called Sanctuary, and it's one of the school workbooks. It's about sacred space, and it teaches how to work with sacred space. And sacred space is the key. It's a high-frequency environment, even if it's just around your body. So that would probably be a really good one to look at, and they can find that anywhere. It's called Sanctuaries by Gwilda Wiecka. Um, it's in all the stores, and it's in the on uh, Amazon. Yeah, I think just from people that I work with and talk to um, on a daily, weekly basis, that's probably the single... <laughs> The single biggest uh, of complaint is trying to um, not soak up the, the the toxins, whether they're physical, spiritual, um, emotional, whatever, uh, because we are so sensitive. And I think that that's a, an, an essential skill to be able to, um, you know, put your deflectors up and, right. and, and get through that. And if you do get some on you, then you can just, you know, transmute it and and get back to that that perfect um, balance in in sanctuary. Exactly, and there's there's so many ways to do it and <laughs> yes. surround yourselves and in, in, in surround yourself in beautiful things that support you, um, and so it doesn't take so much energy to maintain it. Yeah, yeah, it, sacred space is is. I mean, if you if you don't have that, you're really you're really in a bad way. Yeah. 
You know, I think of people that that don't want to go home for whatever reason. Um, you know, I've, I'm sure everybody's been there at some point in their lives where whatever that is that's in there in the house, you just don't even want to go in and face it. And and that is so sad that there's no place that, where you can go and feel empowered and nurtured and um, and supported by your environment. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm um, one of the things I teach is how do you need to be mindful of everything that you have in your home. If if it hasn't been transmuted, it's carrying the old frequency of where it came from. You know, a lot of people say, well, don't buy anything from China because they're abusive of their workers. But instead, I teach this method whereby through shamanic skills, through shamanic journey work, if they have a teapot, they got it from China, they got it from Walmart, they bring it to their house, you you actually clear it, and then you go back and you give gratitude every step of the way of its making. So the hands that made it, the clay it came from, the fire that fired it. And by the time you're done, the thing just kind of glistens. It's amazing. It looks like this heirloom piece just energetically. And so it's adding to the high frequency of your home rather than dragging it down. And also, if there's something that's just sitting around, you don't have any use for it anymore, make sure you pull your energy back out of it and then bless it to its new new home before you give it to goodwill or whatever and being very mindful that you don't have anything hanging around you that hasn't doesn't have purpose or doesn't have meaning for you because clutter is really low frequency it starts to get very dissonant well yeah yeah i mean i'm i always feel better when i look in a room and it's like okay that's the way it's supposed to look <laughs> it might have been exactly. a tornado gone through there yesterday but um uh, it i i can't i can't look, not uh I can't leave it there for too long before I start getting kind of uh, anal about it. <laughs> it's like, right. Sorry. Well, in, in feng shui, they teach you that the energy flow needs to be open, you know, um, and there's methods you can use from, with feng shui that it was funny. I designed my house um, based on shamanic principles just by journeying and asking what went where and what to do and this and that. And a little lady came to visit, and she was a feng shui expert, and she says, oh, who feng shui's your house? <laughs> Nice and spirit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there it is about energy flow, and and I think that um, I mean even even with, with feng shui, it's to I mean my Im- impression of that. I'm not an expert on it or anything. Is that you once you assign that you know this is your prosperity corner. Um, and then every time you look at it, you're, it's like you think about that. So it's, it's, I think it's more of a tool than, you know, does it really bring prosperity if you set this particular thing in this corner? But it's your consciousness that it's there and it's bringing it to you. And you keep, you keep um, putting your intent and your, um, your gratitude into that. Uh, is that more in the line with feng shui than, uh, than not? I, I agree. The original science was indeed a science, and it they learned to work with the directions and with the colors and with frequency. It's basically frequency mastery. But the key is it's helping you to realign your frequency with that of abundance, and therefore you draw it in. That corner with all the things in it isn't going to do a doggone thing unless they have a human being that's um, resonating at the frequency to, ma- to access the quantum level and to make things happen. So, you know, you can feng shui till you're blue in the face, and if you're putting your power into the things rather than letting the things empower you, it's not going to work for you. Yeah, that's that was kind of my 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 feeling about it. And, 
you know, so I, I mean, I do have my, my little corners in the house, and, and when I look at them, I, I just put some more intent and some more gratitude, and it's, it's more of a, a reminder that the power is here inside of us. Exactly. Um, and rather and than using the, the object. Using that ritual to focus your intent is the key, because you are the tool. But I, I love working with feng shui. I love working in altar. I teach my, my, my students how to work in altar and how to uh, manifest consciously by using, working with the seven directions and your intention and prayer. And, and it works. <laughs> you know, it really works. But the key is the practitioner, not the things. Absolutely. And it's the same with crystals. You know, people think that, that crystals are, have magic and that they will protect them. And and it's no, a crystal only amplifies the intent of the holder, the user. Exactly. And or um, gives a color for us to align with. Pardon? I said or gives us a color to align with to find balance, to rebalance. But we have to be the ones to choose to do that. Right, right. You just said the seven directions. I've never heard that before. Um, a lot of different practices use the seven directions, but they're all the same. So my original teacher was, was Lakota, and uh, he works with seven directions, but the Celts do as well. What the seven directions are is um, east, south, west, north, up, down, and center. Ah. Yeah. yeah. So, so you see it's the same. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just, yeah. Yeah, I, I was, I was I mean, thinking like in, in like on a compass, but... This is more like a 360-degree Exactly. Um, it's, it's, it's more like thing. a globe. Yeah. It, it, creates, it creates a toroidal field when you work it that way. Exactly. And a toroidal field is, I love yeah, that. that's what, yeah. yeah. And that's actually when you start working with shamanic principles and shamanic ritual, what you're doing is consciously creating a toroidal field to interact with the toroidal field of the planet that then interacts with, you know, the power of nature. Wow. Wow. This is just so fascinating. Um, let me just uh, repeat one more time. If you have a question for Gwilda and you're already on the switchboard, you'll need to press 1 so um, we know you have uh, a question. And if you're listening on the computer, then just pick up the phone and dial 917-889-8292, and then once you're in, press 1. So um, we'll wait a few more minutes and see if we um, have anybody else calling with a question. But is there is there anything else that you would like to uh, talk about, whether it's your books, your teaching, your school, your um, hopes and dreams? <laughs> well, I could talk about my radio program. We haven't talked much about yeah. that. I, I won't yeah. go too far into it. But it's called The Science of Magic, and it's international, and it's syndicated. So it's on terrestrial stations as well as um, Internet and satellite. And um, the website for that is www.thescienceofmagic.net. And basically I start each episode with a teaching, and then I have a, one of these wonderful guests from either science or, or mysticism. And we just really have a lot of fun bringing through leading-edge information um, that's really needed right now, I think. So that's what we're doing there. And what time? Is it on various times? Yes, right now um, the program is on Talk Stream Live. Um, uh, so... 
TalkStream Live. I think it's www.talkstreamlive. And it's on a Saturday and Sunday nights. Um, if you're talking about uh, Mountain Time, it's 5. Eastern Time, it's 7. And it runs for two hours on both days. Um, and you can always, for free, hear past episodes at that website I gave you, the www.thescienceofmagic.net. All the past episodes are there. And we also have a YouTube channel where they're there as well. Excellent. Well, I, I think you're going to be getting a lot of hits from our audience <laughs> because you're speaking our language, and um, I think that you have so much to offer and maybe the missing piece for a lot of people. So... Um, Thank you so much for the work that you do, for the dedication and the and the proficiency and expertise that you've attained. Um, we, <laughs> I wish there was a lot more of you on the planet. <laughs> well, I'm really glad you guys are here. You're doing beautiful, beautiful work, bringing the star seeds together. I mean, it can be so isolating to know that you're seeing beyond or or something that nobody else is seeing. And it's kind of crazy-making if you don't have agreement and people that understand the same things that you do. So your service is amazing. Thank you for doing it. Uh, well, it is an honor and a privilege to do that. And, and just to hear, you know, people, exactly like you said, people feel like they're adrift <laughs> on an ocean of, of, of strangers. And uh, when they finally figure it out that oh you know i think it was richard bach that said why do you feel lonely um and disconnected when all that's wrong is you haven't found your family mm-hmm. that's that soul team isn't it yeah 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 and that's i mean and with lavendar's work is so precise in identifying the the soul teams and um groups that have come with common purpose and you know there's a lot of different ones with a lot of different purposes because there's a lot of work to do and uh you know everybody works at their own little you know kind of <laughs> cubicle on the earth um but the the end product is uh, going to be a much better unified world with uh, higher frequency and peace Absolutely. It's time mm. for peace. It's time for for understanding each other, and it's time for reuniting. You know, and if you if you can if we can come to the point where we recognize all of our relations, there's no place for hate or war. There's just no place in that for that. I look forward to that day. <laughs> I do. certainly do. I certainly do. When people can be real, you know, you see it. When if you you look on a, a news show where there's some kind of a disaster and very ordinary people step up and 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 do heroic things, mm. I mean that that brings me to tears every time I see a glimmer of that light coming out of a person who didn't even know they had it, uh, you know, and doing going way above and beyond for a total stranger. That just it just fills my heart. It's amazing to watch, isn't it? And that's that's mm. really our nature. That's our nature. It's our damage that has us acting otherwise. Uh, that's right. But you know, when when the when the chips are down and and uh, and it hits the fan, that's sometimes when we are at our best because we just throw away. It's like okay, you know, throw away the grudges, throw away the bad attitude, and you get back to a more pure self. Um, I think it was the movie Starman uh, with with Jeff Bridges. Mm. 
mm-hmm. his comment towards the end is like what he, what I've learned about the humans is that you're at your best when things are at their worst. Mm. And and that's I mean that's that little glimmer of of stepping up into the light um that is spreading <laughs> and I hope it continues. I know it will if if um if you and us have anything to do about it. Absolutely. Well, there's a lot <laughs> yeah. of us out there. There really is. And uh, and I'm hoping that more and more listen so that they can recognize who they are and join us. That is the ultimate goal. So um, let me just recap one more time before we wrap up. Um, your main website is Gwilda Wiyaka, and that's G-W-I-L-D-A, Gwilda and Wiyaka is W-I-Y-A-K-A dot com. And the, um, the, the website for your school is findyourpathhome.com. And your radio show is thescienceofmagic.net. That's correct, yes. Okay, I got them all right. <laughs> <laughs> Good job with a name like mine. That's a challenge. <laughs> Uh, well, you just have to focus here. <laughs> well, Gwilda, I, you're just such a pleasure, and I certainly hope that you come back and, and uh, visit with us again soon. And certainly if you have anything that you want to announce, anything new that you're doing, uh, please remember that uh, we always have the door open for you. Thank you so, so much, and blessings on your path and your beautiful work. Thank you. So, everyone, uh, we're going to say good night now, and I want to thank you all for listening. And if you are listening to this uh, show after the fact, um, please do check out Gwilda's um, websites and her books. You can find them everywhere. And until next week, from all of us here at Starseed Radio Academy, remember to count your blessings every day and live in grace. Good night, everyone. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 